Hello and welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblet. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblet. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, Mark. I'm good. How are you? Yes, very well. Well, well actually, not been sleeping a great deal. I've been waking up with uh, ideas in the middle of the night and having to <laughs> put them onto my iPad. So I'm a bit tired, but that's always a good sign for me. It, it means I'm energized. It means I there's a lot going on. I am reading a book called Dot Com Secrets about funnel build-up, and my my wife has hidden the book because she knows <laughs> when I start reading, I can't sleep. It's really bad. I've, I've probably got to put my iPad away actually to stop myself from doing it. But I I, I woke up last night and at three in the morning. I was starting to write an article because I didn't want to lose the idea. How crazy cool. is that? Cool. It's like me waking up and starting to buy URLs online and then you get back to bed and then and then the wife says what are what have you been doing and i'm yeah. like well, it's what? hard to explain for you. <laughs> why did you why did you creep downstairs to the computer in the middle of the night that's that's what we do huh? that's what yeah, we do exactly so that's right. anyway i thought it would be worth just giving um people a quick understanding of of what we've decided to do um, we're cool. calling it the m&m equity podcast we tried a few different names um but it's about, you know, for the software tech uh, industry, the owners and shareholders, we want to have a chat about some of the things that has happened to us during the week, the people that we've spoken to and in the work that we do, of ideas and concepts that we've seen and, and just have a, it's a bit of an eavesdropping on our conversation. Did you, yeah. does that fit? I, exactly. I think the goal is to unlock equity and the goal is to actually make sure that we can all maximize our revenue potential and we can all learn from, from what we what we hear and see every day. I mean, we see so many businesses, yeah. you and I, and I think we should share some of the stories and some of our, our opinions about how things could be improved and could go faster or better. Oh, I, you're absolutely right. And I, I had, it was a bit of a revelation to myself. Uh, not long ago, I was thinking about how things have changed in this industry and the importance for business leaders to always be learning. Yeah. I actually love learning. So, you know, yeah. for me, it's great. It, it keeps you stimulated. That's probably why I'm waking up. You know, it's my brain active. Yeah, but things have changed so great. much. Yeah. So what's, what's happened to you this so, week? So this week I went to um, several, I'm into a lot of sales audits. I've been checking into very large SaaS uh, scale-ups right. and to check if the teams are being set up right, how the strategy is, can they scale properly. And I have a very interesting case for you. Uh, this is a rather smaller scale-up. They do about 1.5 million um, ARR, so annual recurring revenue. Right. And they asked me the question at a certain stage, Michael, what should we do? We're thinking about, should we actually sell at this moment or should we wait and get investment? And I think it's one of those questions that keeps coming back. And you, with all your M&A experience, I was wondering, what would you say to that? How would you tackle the question? Absolutely. That's, that's a question that comes up a lot. Well, two aspects to that is one, thinking. I mean, it's good that they're actually thinking about that exit because I, I think a lot of business owners 
they think that that's something that they'll think about sort of 12 months out from when they actually want to sell. That's I agree. Let's just, let's I just, agree. let's just make, go out and make some money, get the revenue and get the profit in. I mean, that's, that's a great goal to have, but they can do so much better than that. And then I think the other thing is, do we take investment to build a business, bigger business, or do we do it all alone? Yeah. And yeah. Like that, so that does these guys are bootstrapped, which is interesting. You don't see wow. that a lot. They bootstrapped all their own money, and they're really looking at it and thinking, yeah, what do we do now? Yeah. And, and, and then the next question is, how long does it take to for an exit and all of that? So the one thing that I always do is I always will make sure that whatever model they, they implement is always going to have the highest value. That means recurrent, of course, is more preferable than services, which, which I mean, you as having sold over 150 companies, I suppose that's the right way going forward. Oh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm one for not ever wanting to sit on the fence. And I think with this one, I would say almost always that's the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost always. You know, if you've got recurring revenue, you're building value in your business. I mean, for one, you, you know, you're starting whenever their financial year is, but if it's a calendar year, you're starting January the 1st and you know that you've got X amount of revenue coming in through the door. What a difference that makes. But also yes. when you come to sell the business, or even if you're going to talk to investors, you're talking about, we know next year that we've got X amount of revenue. And it's, it's, it's that recurring nature. Obviously, it's... It, it makes a massive difference also when you come in to sell a business. But there's a lot of businesses out there that struggle in making that transition. Yeah. And I think if you have a large business without, it's hard to make this transition. But these guys exist only three, four years. So it's different. They've built it from the ground up, only focused on recurring. So then the question, of course, comes here, yeah, Michael, should we now add some services and if I if I am I'm looking at deals, I'm always actually discounting sometimes services in favor of the recurring. Yeah, it's it sounds an interesting company. Tell me a bit about the owners because that's where I tend to start my thinking and my discussion with them is, you know, what are they like? What are their objectives? Well, so they're they're uh, three founders. Uh, they have two, I mean, three main shareholders with most of the shares, they equally divided. And then you have about 10 to 15% of a, a bit of investment because of course, when they started out, they were fresh from school, they needed some cash or they got some cash and it's actually, it's actually really minority. So for me, from a shareholder perspective, they did really well to keep control of the business. They have a very typical hardcore closer type of guy. Let's call it like that. Then they have the very technical personality and then have then they have the generalist that that kind of sits in between okay. so it's a very intriguing mix and they you feel that they're on the on the verge of, of like it's either gonna explode and going to really accelerate but if they already are thinking about an exit scenario then I'm thinking it needs to be facilitated because then we, you need to build the whole thing around this exit. Because otherwise, if you already you know the seed is planted, it's going to happen. Well, I'll, I'll probably become a bit monotonous regarding exit <laughs> in yeah. the fact that I say every single company should have an exit strategy. Every single company should start with the end in mind. You know, the old Stephen Covey, you know, begin with the end in mind. If you don't, you're, you, you're, you're handicapping yourself. It's like going into a boxing match with your hands handcuffed behind your back. It's crazy not to do it. I'm, but, you I'm, know, I, I also see a lot of startups and 
I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but sometimes it's a bit crazy to say to like, uh, if they exist uh, eight months and they're going to conquer the world to say, guys, you need to think about your exit. <laughs> because it's not just about the exit. It's about what they do next. It gives them a different perspective and it gives them a better perspective that enables them to be more successful in that journey to the exit. That's, that's the real reason. That, that makes such a change exactly. is when you start looking at that business as something separate to yourself. I actually flip it sometimes and say, look, at a certain stage, you're either going to sell the company or you go, you're going to need money. So you need to have the highest yeah. value. And it's the same thing, right? Selling or getting Absolutely. investment. Bring, it's it's yeah, valuation. If you bring in investment, you're, you are selling it. You're selling part of the company. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe one thing, if I, if I jump back to, let's say, my area of expertise, is when I look at these companies, most of these companies always – there's always one thing, one pattern I see. And they, they treat all their customers like equal. Everything that comes in, they don't want to lose. They say yes to everything. And basically, they create enormous problems down the funnel because they have then customer success or onboarding that needs to sort out, you know, really, really, let's say, uh, customers that don't bring a lot of money, and but they will bring a lot of troubles. And, and I see that's one of those classic things that keeps coming back. So I always pull them back and I say, you need to do the triage. You need to do the cut between a larger and a smaller customer. You need to treat them differently. Is that something you see coming back or what would be your advice around that? I, I absolutely un understand what you're saying in that. And I think that's right. Um, I think in a, in the similar sort of way, they need to look at the customer journey and be aware of, what is it that they're saying to that potential customer and where is that customer on that journey? Because I would think you, that it would change. It does change. Would you think that it's I, – I, I really wonder, is, is, it, is it because it's hard to say no? Because oh, at the end, it's, it's saying no. Yes, a lot of especially, especially when, you're, when you're a new company. You're, you're, yeah. you're out there, you're hungry, and you'll grab at any potential revenue that's, that's there. Yeah. I've, I've done it myself. I've started quite a few companies. And when you, you're just trying to get off the ground, the temptation is anything that looks even remotely like a customer, you go and grab it. You know? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do that. We do that. What is it you want? We do that as well. You know, and yeah. I think you, you could end up selling baked beans, couldn't you? you know? <laughs> we could do that. Well, of course you could. But is it right for your business? That's the thing. Yeah. And I, I tend to immediately rebalance that. And then I... I I actually, the first thing I do is I make, I learn them how to say no. Like, how do you reroute a deal you don't want to, for instance, you, you start adding crazy prices so it looks like you're just too expensive and, and things like that. But it's, it's, it's a coaching. It's not that's, easy. That's a good point, actually. I think that's the other potential yeah. downside is when they can't say no is that they end up reduce, they can end up reducing their own margins. Yeah, selling absolutely. selling too cheaply because they're just desperate yes. to get that customer in. But then then that relates to another another um, part of what we look at is why are they so desperate with that particular customer? It's probably because they're not getting enough qualified leads because their marketing is not working. Yes, <laughs> and then that's, if you go exactly back, one of the yeah. <laughs> go on. And if you go back before that, their marketing may not be working because they haven't got the processes, but it may also not be working because they haven't created for themselves clarity and competitive space. And that's, that for me, when I'm looking at a business, 
that competitive space is where I tend to start. I think it's the foundation stone. You go and speak to a CEO, senior executive with a software tech business, get them to pitch to you. How clear is it? How clear is that picture that they paint in your head? Because selling B2B software solutions is much, much harder than me selling to you, I don't know, a headset or a bar of chocolate. If I'm if I'm selling to you a bar of chocolate, you've immediately got a mental picture of that in your head. You know what a headset looks like. I can sell that to you. But you start selling software solutions, that's much more difficult to create a picture in the head of your prospective client. And yeah. if you don't create pictures, it's going to be more difficult for them to understand what you're talking about and less memorable. It's the uh, one of the things I always do is I always talk about making the intangible tangible. And it's not only by the picture you draw, it's by the slides you create, by the yes. visuals you do, but also sometimes I go back to like printing out something because don't forget, 80% of people are visually focused, but uh, you still have some people that like to fiddle around. I'm one of those guys. I actually don't listen. This is hard. I want to see and I want to fiddle yes. on something. So you have to give me a paper in my hand and then I and show me something and, and, and I'll buy. But if you just explain, I'll, I'll man, I'm just, I just switch off. I think I think that's uh, that's fairly normal. I think most of us are sort of more visually. Yeah. And then we decided to make a podcast, which exactly. Ah, there's a slight flaw in our plan. Yeah, <laughs> well, we have made we have made one or two videos and and. Uh, uh, blogs haven't we recently so i think we could excuse ourselves on that <laughs> jump back on one thing one of, one of the things I, I i agree with is that you need quantity you need volume in leads you need to be on the yes. good statistical side and and one of the big mistakes i see many many companies make is that they they take one person and they put it all together like it's one uh, how do you say it's not a person but it's like one team needs to do it all and i really fundamentally believe you need to pull it apart so you have the yes. lead generator let's say the prospecting part or no lead yes. generating and then you have the prospecting part and then you have the sales part and then there are no excuses and you can replace parts because an engine it always needs that fuel and you need to keep pouring it in and that's where i see a lot of companies go wrong i see pipelines and forecasts and i know it's they never going to make it because they're statistically on the bad side we, we think of the, the manufacturing of cars and, and what really changed and revolutionized the car industry was the conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Edward Deming. And he was a statistician and he, he really revolutionized the industry in Japan and how he improved quality. But essentially what you've got there is you've got a conveyor belt with a specialist for each section. You don't have one person building the whole car. True. It doesn't, doesn't work. You know, if you want volume. And, but and, then and salespeople but need volume. Yeah, but it's a hard. I mean, smaller companies have a hard time with that because you simply don't have the people. No, that's no. one of the things why you need investment to get the first thing you do is buy people. And then if it's a more engineering oriented company, what you typically see is very large production teams, and like one sales guy. Uh, and I think no marketing. That's even worse, actually. I personally, I, I wouldn't go for investment. I. I wouldn't take it that route. I don't want that. I mean, that that also is why, you know, you're talking about this, this, this young company. I also look at the personalities of the people involved. Mm-hmm. A lot of the entrepreneurs, they start a business because they've got belief in themselves. 
they're risk takers, they want to go out and build value. I don't think necessarily take on an investment is the right move for everybody. It can be, but for me, I don't want investors coming in and taking a, a, a slice of my business. So what I would, I, I need to do at those early stages and I need to, I may not be able to at that stage afford to have somebody responsible for each stage, but I definitely have a process <clears throat> and you have to allocate time for those different areas of the process. And you have to make sure that when, when one part is busy, you know, when you're in, the, you're in the closing stage, that there is also some, the marketing is still happening. And yeah. that's difficult. You may have to subcontract. You may need to have part-time people coming in. But I don't think you have a salesman. You know, the old school way of doing it was you bring in a salesman with his Rolodex and you yeah. expect him to do the marketing, the prospecting, the cold calling, yeah. Yeah. The, the sales lead nurturing, but, the closing, the whole lot, and then probably account management as well. Crazy. That's well, crazy. That doesn't work. No, I agree. No and if you see the success of all these SaaS companies over the last, let's say, decade, last 10 years, it's always because what they've done is they pulled the prospecting part away from the, the visits and the closing. Yeah. And I think if you if you look at that, and even if you have to decide on what where, where you're going to spend your money, it, it rebalances your team way better because you have like an inside sales or sales development role or whatever. And then you're a sales guy. And actually, if you or girl, if you look at that, that team, it's much more efficient and, and, and you can scale much faster. It's about, it's about focus and specialization, isn't it? If you've got somebody who's, who's focused on the lead nurturing, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to become much better at it. One of the things that I always see, and, and that's what I'm trying to figure out, is especially sales guys. We train them, one, to say yes. Yeah, that's what Ooh. we want them to say. We also train them to talk a lot. Because guys that talk a lot must be good sales guys. So we do that. And actually, you can tell we've both been in sales, can't you? Well, well and, and, and exactly. And you know, a good sales guy is actually one that listens and actually one that says no. That's funny, huh? Yeah. And then, and then the third thing is you, I, the first thing I'm always looking is for what are the excuses to not do it? And that's something, this, this no hiding in sales is, is extremely important, but it's very hard because they're so manipulative also against to their bosses and their yes. bosses don't always know it. So it's yeah. the first thing I always start to like cut, cut out everything, no escape. I just want you to do that. You not like silo it, focus it. It's very scary, but that's the only way it can work. I believe. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good point. I like that. It's, um, but it's, it's a benefit. If you can cut through that and get them to see that, because yeah. I think we all make excuses to ourselves in one way or another. You know, we make yeah. excuses as to why we haven't been to the gym this morning, things like that. Yeah. But I mean, I relate back to sport a lot because I've been involved in competitive sport. And at the end of the day, if you turn up on race day and you haven't put in your training sessions, you're going to have a hard time. I used to do triathlon and I knew on race day, if I hadn't put in and I hadn't had a, a training program that worked on the strength, the stamina and speed and technique, then when I got race day and I put my foot on the line, that day was going to be painful. And I think yeah. it's the same with sales is if you haven't done all of those things, if you haven't got, I mean, I would say if I was to pick one mistake that software companies make, it's, it's what I call dragging their client down the rabbit hole. And, yeah. and what I mean by that is, you know, the Alice in Wonderland story about going down the rabbit hole to this psychedelic surrealist world. 
and yeah, because because the because the, the the salespeople and and the owners of these software companies are talking about this technology and solutions every single day they can talk forever about it they've got a lot of information in their head they can they're talking at detail they're getting in and a lot of the salespeople can can match the technical people to a certain degree in the degree and granularity of detail so when they get in front of a, a fresh prospect i've sat there and listened to them and they they start talking about their solution and i think what the hell are they talking about <laughs> it does not it's, it's it's like going into a, a, a theater and you're going in and you're you've gone in halfway through and you're getting into the detail the plot the sub subplot you've got no idea the concept you know the the overall story behind it it's very difficult to follow so i think it's sell the big picture why do yeah. you exist as a business and when you go on people's websites i mean i had some examples i i had a couple of examples actually that i sent through to some of my clients because we've got one of our sessions coming up and I wanted them to understand. Um, actually, while you're talking, I'll see if I can find it. Because it was it was taken from their website and it was positioning their business. And I've been in the industry 27 years now. I couldn't understand what they were talking about. How could a client, how could a business owner from an industry where he's got some probably some experience of software, but maybe not a lot, how can he understand it? Yeah, so I love to start with the story of another like their competitor that has a problem, so they recognize it straight away. It's it's ten times more relevant. Yeah, and yeah. it proves that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> but felt... it's it's an art, huh? The, oh, all it is. the really good value propositions and, and and presenting it then in the right way, and then looking at how the crowd is moving and moving around. It's a true art. You just need to do it a lot. Look and you at get better and better. Look at the companies that are really successful. I'll give you a really good example. So here is here is the company that I know well. I've changed their name to protect them here so i've called yeah. the i've called them confused software solutions all right <laughs> so, not bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so this is this is the paragraph and bearing in mind this is one sentence so they've put this to position themselves this is i haven't made this up I promise you confused software solutions provide software and services for retail and distribution businesses that help them deliver measurable multi-channel revenue growth by helping businesses implement a step-by-step -step roadmap to becoming a fully integrated efficient omni-channel business through implementation of your integrated back office retail and e-commerce solutions sounds like facebook actually if you think about it <laughs> it could sound like anything now it's look at anything look right? look at dropbox when you mm -hmm. go on and have a look at their website and they say, your stuff anywhere. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> your stuff but anywhere. Three words. Don't underestimate the power of good copywriters because I always thought copywriting is easy. And then oh. I, I met some good ones and I realized it takes days and months even to get to write two, three words. Oh, it, is, it is very, very difficult. And the, and the other thing is that, that software owners... I, I think there's an education that's got to happen because in the past, these sort of things weren't quite as important. Competition True. wasn't as intense. True. The, the internet and digital communication, omni-channel, wasn't as important. But now you've got a new breed of people that have grown up with this. You know, they've probably been on an iPad before they could walk. And mm -hmm. they're starting businesses. And what I'm seeing is they are much more aware. And these newer, smaller businesses move faster, and they're better at all of this. 
They understand yeah. and the importance of this. I like also this agile method of trying to sell before you have anything. That's actually the right way of, of, of moving around. So they, yeah. the, the only goal they have, because they don't have product yet, they'll be very focused on marketing. They'll be very focused on getting the value right, getting the story really right, and then the machine starts running. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's, that's why I introduce sometimes a concept called sales sprints. I would actually take any business and then define a very small niche and just experiment, try with a different type of messaging that's very focused around the problem of that, of that niche and only talk about the customer because that's the other thing. I think 90% presentations I see, they all start with, this is what we do. This is our fantastic team. This is our logo. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. Nobody <laughs> cares about that. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, you need to oh. flip that round straight away. It's, Get it out. Do you know what? It, it, it's, it's a difficult aspect sometimes to talk to because the people we're talking to, typically, they're well-educated, they're intelligent people. You know, it can, it can sometimes come across as patronizing. And, it, and, and also, sometimes I think they, they're saying, well, I know that. I know that. I know yeah. that makes sense. You go and look at the, you go and look at their next presentation, or you go and look at their website, and they've they've got all of those mistakes, and they're saying to you, "I know we we had we brought in this guy, he didn't do a great job, and we haven't had time to change it yet." So you're agreeing that it's the right thing, but what I don't think they see is how important it is to them. It's also iner- inertia. I've done it before this way. I, I, I don't know how to change it. Let me just do it again and again and again. Yeah, the implementation part. Yeah, it, it, I think you're right. It's it's not just knowing. It's it's knowing how to implement. That that that's the tough bit. But I used to, I used to be very when I was sitting in these. Yesterday actually, I was with a, a scale up also in the retail space, and their second slide was there was a logo, their logo. And now I'm watching, and I and I really stopped. I mean, you had the board around, and I just stopped them, and I said, "Why is your logo there? Do you think your customer cares?" And they look at me, and I and I said, "Look, if if the customer, if I was the customer, and I see my logo, what do you think would be better?" And they said, "Yeah, of course, your logo." I said, "Why do you do it then?" <laughs> and then I saw them like all making a note, and then uh, let's continue. And I mean, it's it's it. At the end of the day, your customer only cares about one thing: it's themselves. You're absolutely right. I one of the things that I find is is part of my initial engagement. It, it, I think it surprises people. Is as an M and A guy, and 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 with our business, we are we are a bit unique. Is they expect us to be really focused on okay. Let's have a look at your revenue. Let's look at your profit. Let's look at your cash flow forecast. And then and then our job is to go out and find the right people that are going to be interested in them. Yeah. And actually, I'm I'm saying to them, right? What I want to see, I want to see you present to me, and show me your software. Why do you want to see that? Because it's part of that equity value. And I had a presentation a while ago, and I was I was telling somebody else this week, and he was very proud of his software, and he felt that that was one of their main strengths was the way that they presented it, and the main benefit which they the sort of the USP that he felt he had was that he would present this standard interface and say to his audience, but you could have this looking any way that you want. (laughs) And and honestly, honestly, that was the thing that he kept coming back to. And he was really proud of that. And I said, hang on a minute. (laughs) I said, first of all, all of your competitors will be saying the same. And secondly, if you could make it look any way that you want, why does it look like that? 
yeah, make it immediately put their logo in there, make it immediately look that way. I think I probably used a stronger phrase than that, but I was essentially saying that doesn't look good because again, we've got a new generation of people. We've got different expectations. I use Amazon. No, I didn't have to go on a training course to use at the Amazon website. No, no. Why do I have clear. to go on? Why do we have these yeah, long training courses? That's the whole trend of where if you look to the apps you have on your phone, they look 10 times more beautiful. Any interface looks 10 times more beautiful because it has grown bottom up than most of the corporate application. I remember looking at dynamic screens a year ago and I'm thinking more SAP. I'm thinking, why the hell this has, this has to be so illogical or it has grown so organically, but it's just not user friendly. I think more and more businesses are, are really pushing. So the whole user interface and the way customer onboarding is happening and all that, that's one of the, the big topics I'm looking into. Is how do you do this? Because once you find the customer, that's taken you so long and it's a hard journey. And then you find him and then you lose him like in five minutes because he's looking at this interface and thinking, I have no clue where to push a button. I've, I've got an idea for you, actually. I came up with this week. And uh, it's, it's re about selling. And I was thinking the different trends that have happened with selling. Mm -hmm. I can remember the old features and benefits type of selling. Yeah. And then we yeah. had solution selling and Miller-Hyman and, yeah. and customer-centric selling. Malik. And there's, yeah. there's lots and lots of different versions. But it's changed again. It's changed again. And, and, and unfortunately, there are, there's a whole generation of software business owners that were probably originally trained, like myself, in the features and benefits age, which at that yeah. time... Solution it, selling, it was, yeah. they called it solution selling. Well, it's mm. before that, the features and benefits. It, it, was, it was before that. Um, it, it goes back to... Actually, the, the original goes back to the 50s. I remember seeing training films when I very first got into selling, and it was a couple of guys from, from the 1950s that were doing these old black and white things. I mean, that was really antiquated. That was F&B. But, but now that has changed. The digital world has changed, and it's turned things on its head, and I think we should come up with something. We're going we're gonna to work on this one, but it's client perspective selling. So there is something, it's, uh, there's a book came out called The Challenger Sale a few years ago. And it's, a, it's something I see a lot now. A lot of, of the, the scale-ups are talking about and they're really trying, and it's called provocative selling. It's where you actually go into a company and you, you're, you're, you show them a problem they didn't even knew that, ex that, that they had. And you explain to them why and you actually provoke them in saying, yeah, but you've never thought about it. And that's a system, a mechanic that works really well, but one, not everybody can do it. Two, it only works really well for me on executive level because they also have the power to, to understand the vision and say, okay, you're right here. Exactly. You, you sound like a true expert. I'm going to implement it. Um, so that's something I would definitely advise to have a read. It's called the challenger sale. And that's something you, I see. I see it popping up every week almost. But I, I also don't believe that that's the answer yet. I think it's going to change, and, and I agree with you. It's going to change again, and and uh, it's, because it's hard to do. There's not a lot of people that have the skills to do that properly. It's evolving all the time, and I think that there's a lot of lot of very uh, brave, earnest, hardworking business owners out there that are applying methodology that's out of date. And I understand because you know, like you were saying with the interfaces, when you've got somebody who designs an app on a mobile, then they know they've got to really focus on that. 
But you're talking yeah. to, to somebody who's out there selling software solutions. There's so many aspects to running a business. Where do you focus your time? And it's knowing the priorities. And I think that's what that's what we've done effectively with our clients is, is to help them to say, there's a thousand things you could be doing. You haven't got enough time. You won't live long enough to do everything. But where will you get the maximum effect? What will bring you the greatest equity return? And that makes a difference. I agree. I fully agree. I think, you know having, I think having said that, we should stop it here. I know. Do you remember when we started, we said, how long would we talk for? Probably 20, 30 minutes max. We're coming up to 32 minutes. Perfect Perfect time. (laughs) That's great. It's been enjoyable. Um, We'll definitely have to do this again. Thanks for your input, Michael. Thank you, Mark. Catch uh, you later. Get some sleep. Cheers. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I need to read the book. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.